Well, we're continuing our run-up to Easter and last week Simon was uh, speaking to us about who do we listen to and we're following that up this week with new beginnings. Very appropriate for this church. But uh, as part of the program there's been a, a prayer prepared for us so I'll start with a word of prayer and then I'll speak. Holy God, we come to you today with our biggest questions. Who are we called to be? What do you need from us? Where are you in our midst? How can we follow you more clearly? As we read your word today, we ask that you would weave answers into the text. Speak to us through these accounts that we might find what we are seeking in you. With gratitude and open hearts we pray. Amen. Well, the, um, the suggested readings, there were two topics for this morning. We would talk about Abraham and then we're talking about Nicodemus. But it was far too long once I got hold of it. So I'm cutting out Abraham. And if you remember, just a few weeks ago, Liz spoke about that and how God worked in Abram and Sarah's life, how he breathed his spirit into them, how he called them from the big city of Ur to become shepherds, wander about. And over the years they grew closer and closer to God. They didn't know when they set out where they were going. They would settle down and God would say, no, keep going. And they had to leave behind the um, pagan gods that they were used to so that they could listen to God and build a relationship with him. And in the end, despite the discomfort of living in a tent instead of an air-conditioned house, despite having lost all their, their, well, where they grew up, all their friends, all the ease of being in a city and you can just go down to the shops and get what you want, living in tents, looking after sheep and, and cattle, having the local people get rough with them and say, no, you're not staying here, get off. Having the trouble of they wander into a place and there's a war going on. It was very difficult. But through it all, God was building a relationship. And in the end, he, he kept his promise to them of a land that would be theirs, of children, of having a good name. That was one of the promises to Abram, I'll make your name great. And do you know what that name was? Friend of God. At the end of his life, Abraham was known far and wide as the friend of God because he had become so close as he 
obeyed God, as he spent time with him, as he learnt, as he left behind the old. So that's all I'm going to talk about with Abraham. But have a look at um, the video on the internet of Lisa's sermon and uh, have another look at that. What we are going to look at is Nicodemus. And this passage leads up to the most famous verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world. You know that one? The most, it has to be the most famous verse in the Bible. And you'll see it on billboards. You'll see it painted on walls. You'll see it sometimes on uh, advertising on the TV. It's a very famous verse. And I'm afraid that with all that projection, the, the advertising, sometimes there's people just tune it out and it has no effect. But it comes out of this conversation that Jesus had with Nicodemus. So we're going to have a look at that. Um, I find that if you've got a well-known passage, a well-known verse, it's good to go back and read it in context and see where it fits in with things. And sometimes then we understand it a lot better. So I tried that with this one and I read it through once and I thought, there isn't any context. The, the conversation just jumps around like this and this. It's really bizarre. But you often get that with Jesus in his conversations with people because he's not interested in one-word answers. He's not going to say, yes, no, 27. He's deliberately, he will, he will say something that's a bit obscure so that they'll, people will ask a question. Yeah, explain more, talk more, because he wants the conversation. And when people are talking to him, sometimes they decide things are getting a bit close to the bone and so they'll get a bit off the track and Jesus will grab the conversation and drag it back. And there's one other thing with this passage in that Nicodemus knew the Old Testament. Absolutely. And so Jesus would say things that he knew that Nicodemus would pick up on and would relate to other passages, other scripture passages. And so the conversation it just goes, 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 and it seems to be jumping around. But when you get to the end, you can see what Jesus has been leading to. Where, yeah, it's... We, we can't tell as we go along, but at the end we say, oh, yeah, okay, that's why he said that. bit bizarre. So let's have a look at the, this passage and we'll look at the first three verses. Okay. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi... He said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. 
Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Do you see it? <laughs> I read that and I thought, oh, that's, that's jumping around a bit, isn't it? <laughs> but it's not. You see, Nicodemus, who we know was a member of the Sanhedrin, he was the Jewish parliament. He was a very important person, and we'll find out more later. But he starts the conversation off being polite, calling him rabbi and explaining that we know that, you know, God's involved. So he's very respectful, and he had to do that because generally they weren't. The Jewish authorities would send people to question Jesus not because they wanted an answer, because they wanted to trip him up. You'll see that sometimes with the um, journalists speaking to a politician. They don't care what they say. They just want him to make it a fool of himself. But Nicodemus was genuine. And so he was giving his credentials. He said, look, I really believe that you're from God. Um, you know, this is... This is yeah, I'm, I'm being honest here, I'm being genuine. He's being polite. And where was he going? He was going on to say, so since that's the case, what is your message? What are you, what are you on about? What, what, um, what's your view on salvation? But Jesus cuts him off and I think, why? I, I mean, they could go on a bit, but he would get there pretty soon. And I think it's because... Jesus has picked up on what Nicodemus has said. <coughs> we know that you are from God. And that's what Jesus picked up on. And that's where he's taking the conversation from. And all these obscure jumps that we find in the, the conversations that goes on all come back to, is Jesus from God? And so he says, I tell you, sorry, it's, um, <clears throat> can we skip back a bit to, to the first three? I tell you the truth. Unless you're born again or born from above, the same thing, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying, yes, I come from above. I come from God. And if you don't have that, you're not going to understand spiritual things. You can't build it up from the human side. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. That, was, that meant they were very religious. They were trying really hard to do the right thing. Now, everyone's religious. Everyone. Because the religious thing is how we respond to God. So even if an agnostic responds by ignoring God, an atheist might respond by fighting God. But there's always some sort of response. But the difference with Christianity to other religions is that it's not primarily about what we do. 
It's about what God does. And yes, there's a religious element to Christianity, how we respond to what God does. But it's when we forget that the, the first thing is what God has done for us. That's when the church starts to screw things up. That comes first, the response comes later. I wonder, too, whether Jesus is saying, Nicodemus, God is working in your life now. Because if he wasn't, if his spirit wasn't working within you, you would be asking these questions. But it is only because God is working in your life that you know enough to ask more. Going on to the next bit of it. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. You know, with the way things jump around, some people have got a strange idea and they're saying that Nicodemus is um, being sarcastic and Jesus is being insulting. But no, he's got a genuine approach, Nicodemus. And... Um, <coughs> It's just a polite response too. It's, it's the way they did things then. Nicodemus is saying, well, obviously you don't mean this, so please tell me more about what you do mean. And he goes back again. You have to be born from above. You need God's life in you, God's spirit. And Nicodemus would have been thinking about the references in the Old Testament to God putting a new spirit in our hearts, taking the hearts of stone out and putting in a heart of flesh. He'd be thinking about Ezekiel with the dry bones and God's spirit bringing hope and life. The wind blows wherever it wants. That was a common, um, common saying there. But the wind, the breath, the spirit all means the same thing. And we can't always work it out. Perhaps we can never work it out because it's God's doing. We don't see it coming. How do we know if God's working in our lives now, if his spirit is... Uh, working to bring us new life. Well, the fact that we're here this morning, 
or the fact that we're on the internet looking means God's spirit is working in you to seek God, to have new life. We often concentrate because in our culture we're very individualistic and we look at things, what will this do for me, what does this mean for me? Much more relational in those days. And um, we, we look at it and we think, well, being born again, that's about God forgiving us for our sins of the past and giving us a blank sheet, a fresh start, and that's, that's it. We can go in our lives without the burden of our past. But it's more than that because when you're born, you're born into a family. And when we're born from God, we're born into God's family. We have a new set of brothers and sisters who we care for and who will care for us. We have Jesus above that, an older brother. And we have, with God as our Father, we share his characteristics. You belong to a family, it has a great impact on who you are. We become part of God's family, that changes who we are. We're new people. Our allegiance is to God, the Father. We start to take on his characteristics and we have access to the family resources, the spiritual riches, hope, joy, peace, love, all these things, they come because we're part of God's family and we have access to the riches that God has. Let's go back to Nicodemus. Verse 9. Oh, hang on. Yes, verse 9. How are these things possible? Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, You are a respected Jewish teacher and yet you don't understand these things? That's not the best translation. You are the teacher of Israel. Nicodemus was the minister for education. He was the one in the Sanhedrin. He said what was taught in the synagogues. They didn't have a department of education. The minister actually made all the decisions. He, apart from the uh, high priest's family, Nicodemus was probably the best-known person in Israel and the most respected. Very important person. Maybe that's why he came at night. Maybe he didn't want to... We don't really know. A bit frightened. Maybe he was just keen and... and but he wanted to, to talk with Jesus by themselves without everyone looking over his shoulder. So Nicodemus knew so much. Jesus said, 
yet you, you don't understand these things? Going on. I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen and yet you won't believe our testimony. This goes back to the we know you come from God. If Jesus has come from God, you have to believe what he said. It's not a case of clever people talking and working out the best thing. This is the truth. This is looking at things from God's perspective because Jesus knew that. He's the only one who knew that. Verse 13. Oh, no, 12. If you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned. Only the Son of Man has come down from heaven. The one source of truth, the one person that could tell Nicodemus how God sees things was Jesus. So Jesus explains... God's plan of salvation. From verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Now, you might not know the story from the wilderness, but as Moses was leading the people um, from Egypt to their eventual destination in Canaan, People started whinging. In fact, <laughs> the, the Jewish name for uh, one of the books of the Bible is grumbling. <laughs> they said, this is no good. We don't have enough water. The food is terrible. Hey, Moses, we don't think much of this God of yours. And God said a plague of snakes. And people said, oh, no, we've overstepped the mark. And God said, okay, what I want you to do, Moses, make a bronze snake, stick it up on a pole, and anyone who looked to the snake would recover from their, their, their poison bite. He's saying, that's what's going to happen to me. I'm going to be lifted up so that anyone who turns to me may be free of the penalty of sinfulness. They might have life. That's God's plan. That's God's plan. Now, did Nicodemus understand? Was Nicodemus born again? I think he was. We don't find out here. But we do come across Nicodemus twice more. When the Jewish authorities were getting together, they decided to kill Jesus and Nicodemus said, hang on, you can't do that, you've got to have a trial. Have a trial, listen to what he says. So that's, um, that's the second time that we see Nicodemus. And whereas the first time he was very discreet about his interest in Jesus, 
He was quite open and stood up to the Jewish authorities. Didn't work, of course. They still ended up crucifying him. But after the crucifixion, we see him again. Because there's Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. They're the ones that go to the Roman authorities and saying, can we have Jesus' body so we can bury him? And Nicodemus brought along 30 kilos of spices. That would have been very expensive. Very, very expensive. He put a lot of money on it. And this is a time before the resurrection. So as far as he knew, Jesus had no more to offer him. And he was putting himself on the wrong side of the Romans and on the wrong side of the the Jews when nearly no one else was doing that. All the disciples, they'd scattered. They'd gone into hiding. It had just got too bad, too hot. But Nicodemus said, I'm with Jesus. So I think we can say that, yes, Nicodemus had that new life. He had that new family allegiance. He had God's spirit working within his life. So now we come to those famous verses. Don't actually know whether this is Jesus talking or whether John is editorialising. But it doesn't matter. Let's break it down. For this is how much God loved the world. That's the first thing. That's the starting point of salvation. Not that we want to be saved. Not that we're working towards anything. No, no, no. It starts with God's love. He initiates things. Remember, it comes from above. It starts, we can't can't make it happen. He gave his one and only son. So Jesus was sent. He was sent with the message of reconciliation, with the message of forgiveness, with the message of new beginnings so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Remember the snake in the wilderness? If we look to Jesus, we don't need to fear punishment for our sins. We don't need to fear that um, it's all over once we die. We will have eternal life. We will have a new family. We will have all the riches of God made available to us. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. A lot of the people in Nicodemus' time, a lot of the people now think that God is just really cranky and all he wants to do is smack us around the head every time we step out of line. 
and he's just waiting to send us all to hell. But that's not true. It's the opposite of that. What he wants is to fix it, to fix our lives, to give us the relationship that we've been missing with him and that we might bring it all to those around us as well. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you make us part of your family. That we can be born again into your family. We ask, Lord, that we will always be open to your spirits working in our lives to continually begin again new things that will draw us closer to you, that will give us your character. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.